The point of this is to provide the best facts-driven show that we possibly can. Ideally, you have a glue guy who is good. Hashtag glue guy, hashtag locker room guy. You can't go sign Bobby Holy to a trillion dollars. You can't do these things. Very satisfying. The absolute best NYR show in town. This is the Liberty Blue. Liberty Blue. Rangers Podcast. Rangers Podcast. With Andrew Shelby. Andrew Shelby. And Nick Zoraris. Zoraris. Rangers fans, welcome to Liberty Blue, the best Rangers podcast in town. I am Andrew Chelney, alongside Nick Zararis. We scream about the Rangers so that you don't have to. This is episode 50, live on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube, and we're available wherever you get your podcasts as well. Recording just slightly earlier in the day than we usually do. Hopefully, Christopher doesn't get any funny ideas and makes this show uh, a little late to the party in terms of news. Hopefully our boy Christopher doesn't do that and our, and our show can operate as normal. Today's show is about how the playoffs have gone from blowouts to absolute overtime mayhem. What the Rangers can learn from the teams that are still playing and a whole lot more. Nick, tumbleweeds in Rangerstown right now. I'm so bored. None of this stuff is even remotely interesting. We don't even have... we. They fired Gallant. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we've heard that they've officially on the record interviewed uh, Peter Laviolette and Mike Babcock, and it's been Great. two and a half, three weeks since uh, they fired the coach. You would think, like, I understand that some of the guys they might want to talk to, like Jay Leach, Carberry, who we know they want to talk to but haven't done so yet, are with teams that are still go were still with teams in the playoffs. So that's more of a logistics thing of kind of trying to line up dates, make time slots work for everybody but this is just so boring like this is a hockey podcast i want to talk about (laughs) hockey not guys wearing suits who have minimal input like especially like if we were talking about hiring a gm okay that's that has a significantly more outsized influence on the direction of a team than a coach more or less i i often say there are 32 coaches in the league there's about six good ones there's 18 mediocre ones and then there's six atrocious ones if you have one of the 18 that's in that soggy middle it really doesn't make that much of a difference they're not gonna be able to scrape that much more out of it i mean you look at the group that's left i mean you think about DeBoer, paul maurice those guys are they've been around the block they've had a lot of stops neither has had a ton of success a couple cup final appearances for DeBoer, but eh Rob Brindamore for second time in a conference final. Bruce Cassidy, I believe, third time to make it to a conference final. So there's no like universal like, oh, if you hired this coach with this type of background, you're going to do this or that. It's just this is all so boring because we got to piece through the tea leaves. There's not even like great information out there. It takes having like nine different subscriptions to different publications to get a full <laughs> picture of what's going on. And even that is just like three a corner of the puzzle of the map. Because right now we're all sitting around waiting, wondering. We're, I would like to say that this is part of an organized plan that they know who they want to talk to, but they just haven't been available to do it yet. And that's why this is kind of dragging out. I mean, I read this morning and I want to say it was Vince's column saying that this could probably drag out into June. The only thing that works uh, against the Rangers in that respect is the, uh, the of the people we know they want to talk to or have talked to, we know that Lavula and Babcock have both interviewed for Columbus. We know Carberry has been tied to the Washington job and uh, 
a possibility for the Toronto a, a promotion for the Toronto job as well, which leads you to a musical chairs type scenario where you might like these guys, but if you wait because you want to talk to other guys, you might miss the opportunity to hire those guys. And the argument for Babcock and Columbus might be, well, why would he want to go there? Well, it's lower profile. He's going to have carte blanche to do basically whatever he wants. And it's not going to be an immediate results type thing where if they don't perform well right away, he's going to be under the microscope. It would be a more long-term thing, which lends itself to somebody who kind of needs to do image rehab. And Laviolette, uh, he just wants to work. That guy does not stop working. So we're sitting here both very bored and tired of having to parse together what's going on through podcasts and uh, news articles. The thing about Laviolette is what exactly does Laviolette do that Gallant didn't is the thing. Because if you if you want to fire Gerard Gallant, the idea is, as somebody loud outside wants to make a cameo in the show, that like the idea when you fire one kind of coach is that you want to bring in somebody that is fresh, that somebody has a, a new approach to the current system, to the current group of guys, to how they play, their style, on, on the ice, off the ice, etc. You are bringing in a head coach with a new vision because the, the old vision clearly wasn't working because if it was working, you'd, you'd keep the old coach. So the old vision is out the door. Jargalon is no longer the head coach of the Rangers. So what exactly does Peter Laviolette see differently about this current Rangers team that makes him such a fresh voice in the room? That is my ultimate question when I see that he got interviewed. It's not that he's necessarily a terrible coach and like he hasn't been on. Yeah, he's, he's like, one of the mediocre he's, 16. He's one of those 16 guys in the middle. He has, he's won a Stanley Cup. Like he's coached a million games in the, in the league. Like he's been there, done that. But what is it about Laviolette specifically? that makes him this fresh new voice in this Rangers locker room. That's it. That's that, it. That, that hasn't, that, that is, you know, going to be such a dramatic change from what they've currently had. Because if, again, if you, if you fire one head coach, you want somebody that will bring in at, at least some kind of different ideology, a different system, a different tweaking or tuning or something along those lines. What, what is Laviolette bringing in that Galat hasn't? A okay. ring from 2006? I mean, okay, but like, it's been a while, so, man. So on those points, uh, two things. Number one, when I think about the difference, it's the, it's the clips from 24-7 from like a decade ago. It's that he's an abrasive asshole, to be frank. He's an abrasive, the opposite, somebody who's going to be really hard and annoying on these guys. And he has shown in year one in new landing spots to typically get pretty good results in that first year. But that's also the new coach effect. Anytime you bring in a new coach, you typically see that. You think about the Canucks twice in the last two and a half years. They brought in Boudreaux. It got a lot better after Travis Green got fired. They brought in Tockett. It got better after they fired Boudreaux. The new coach thing, it's a cheap fix. It's a quick fix. It solves your problem temporarily, but it doesn't address the bigger picture, which is part of the reason that Gallant got dismissed. I think it was Arthur's column. He said, and I, I he read the, he wrote this over the weekend, so this is a few days old at this point, but wrote something to the effect of Drury feels that this team is good enough to win a Stanley Cup, and Gallant was not the coach getting the desired results out of this group. And this ties back to the first point we just talked about, where what's the difference? Well, 
at the very least, Drury feels that if he brings in someone different, they might be able to get a better result out of this group. And I think, again, this is looking for an easy fix, a short-term fix. And instead of addressing the very real fundamental issues with the roster, Drury feels that changing the general, that excuse me, changing the coach is the easy way that, oh, this group is fine. There's nothing wrong with this group. We don't need to change our roster. All we got to do is change the coach. And that's why you get the idea of bringing in anybody. It's the any poor, it's the port in any storm type thing where anybody's better than what you have right now because it's not getting your desired result, which I do agree with. I do think there are points where if you know your coach is not the guy, even if you don't have the ideal person lined up, sometimes it does make sense to just cut bait, get rid of it, get that out of your organization and start over. Because if you know this guy can't get the best out of your group, you can, you know it's not changing. You're not going to get a better result. You're not going to get more out of your group. And that's why we are where we are right now. Drury thinks this team is good enough to win a Stanley Cup with the core as it's currently comprised. And it's a matter of finding the right coach to tinker around the margins and get the best out of them. I disagree with his assessment of his roster, but that's another conversation that I'm sure we're going to have at some point. Though the one thing, and we talked about this a few, a few weeks ago when it was still raw and fresh, is that no, who doesn't matter who's coaching the Rangers. They can't make Panarin back check. They can't make yep. Zibanejad shoot the puck when he's on the power play because the Rangers have been through a multiple coaches now under with Zibanejad, and Zibanejad has shot with none of them. So, at a certain point, the coach can change the system. He can change. Okay, instead of instead of doing a two two one, you could do a two one two. Like he he can change you know, general aspects of how a team plays, but is that, but is Peter Laviolette all of a sudden going to make Panarin back check? Is Peter Laviolette going to just make Zibinijad start shooting the puck, you know, at five on five? Based on prior evidence, I would say the answer to that is a big fat no. So uh, a head coach is there to, you know, to tweak the little things, to to change the overall maybe system, the overall approach. Maybe one coach likes to to dump and chase more. The uh, the next coach doesn't. One coach, clearly, as we've seen from the Rangers through multiple years now, cannot make the the micro adjustments for individual players. Panarin ain't back checking for Gallant. He's probably he's probably not gonna back check for Laviolette. Sabinajad hasn't shot under Gallant. Probably not going to shoot under Laviolette, but I would love to be wrong. I if 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 I am proven wrong, I would love that. Right, like that that would be fantastic. I would love to be proven wrong about this. But we've just seen this through multiple coaches now within the Rangers system that none of these guys have been able to change the ways that the Rangers are failing come playoff time, and that is the biggest. One of the biggest hurdles that I have when you hire somebody like Laviolette, who's a retread, who's been in this league for a million years, is, okay, well, none of these guys worked. What is Laviolette going to do differently that will fundamentally change the thought process of the New York Rangers players? I don't know. So my my general understanding is... The Rangers felt a lot higher about their team than a lot of people did. And the Rangers have always done this. They've always bought their, into their own hype to some extent. They have the world-class goalie. That solves a lot of issues. You can always say your defense is really good when you only give up two and a half goals a game when you've got one of the best goalies in the world. So at face value, 
we know the Rangers overrate their own defense. That has long been organizational tradition. We have 20 years of evidence now between two world-class goaltenders to show that they overvalue their own team to a certain extent. The argument for Laviolette, and I don't believe this, this is the argument, is they need somebody who can get something internal from these guys. It's not so much changing how they play, it's changing the way they think about the game. It's getting them to be more consistent. It's getting them to play with a certain intensity, a certain vigor that they haven't been able to manifest. And part of that is ascribed to a hands-off coach who lets the players police themselves, run the run the room how they want to, which is what it was for the last two years under Gallant, versus the two years prior to that, three years prior to that of David Quinn, where he was annoying and up everyone's ass and micromanaging. And the argument for a Laviolette is this is somebody who's been in the game a, a wealth of experience. And again, I don't agree with this point, but that – He's, go, he's got such a breadth of experience, a wide scope of players he's interacted with and dealt with over the years of his career, that he's going to know how to connect with Zvinijad, with Panarin, with Kreider, with Trocek on a fundamental level that's going to get them to change not necessarily how they play, but their energy, the mindset. And that's something we both at a principal level agree with. We understood, we talked about this all regular season, that there wasn't any real consistency, that the players did not show up consistently with a, an intensity requisite with yep. success, the slow starts. So that's the argument. And sure. again, I don't agree with it, but that's the argument from a philosophical standpoint, why you would talk to a lobbyist about this. And I agree with you. I want somebody who, who either hasn't had NHL experience before or somebody with minimal NHL experience before, because because we've seen the Rangers do the retread stuff. And at this point, Laviolette is so far removed from some of these successes. Like, yes, he won a Stanley Cup, but, you know, the NHL was vastly different 17 sure. years ago. It is an entire – if you watch hockey from 2006, it looks like a different sport compared mm -hmm. to what you're watching now because it's so much faster. The players are so much smaller. There's so much more of an emphasis on creating off of the rush and transition versus that plodding, dump-and-chase style. And you worry. And, I mean, I've spent a lot of time going through – I it's um, on HockeyViz. Micah has um, – a model on the impact of coaches on offense and defense. And Laviolette's impact on offense and defense is atrocious because he turtles so aggressively when he gets a one-goal lead. He minimizes his team's offensive chances at the behest of trying to play better defense. But by being so passive and trying to minimize the chances against, you're inviting the other team inward, and we've saw, we've seen that. For the last two coaches, the Rangers have played that style where they want the other team to skate in on them, shoot low-quality chances, and then counterattack going the other way. And that hasn't worked with this group. And I think that's going to be... For me, that's my sticking point. I want somebody who's going to be able to tailor to what these guys want to do. It's great that your system has had success in other places, but just assuming because you've had success in other places with a certain system, you're going to be able to do it here, that's ignorant of what made you successful in the first place. Not every player is going to be able to play the same way, and it's why it feels so, I don't want to say directionless, because that's not really the right word, but 
neither of us can really address what coach is going to be able to get the best out of this group. And I think that's the problem the Rangers have too, is they're looking at all of these guys and they've gone two different ends of the spectrum with the last two coaches. They've done the retread with lots of experience and they've done the totally inexperienced guy and neither panned out particularly well for them. And I think that's why we're seeing such a, a slow playing process right now. And that's fine. Like, yeah. for, for all intents and purposes, like, the Rangers have the time to do that. Well, we know that because they got bounced embarrassingly in the first round of the playoffs. They have plenty of time to sit there and ruminate on what went wrong and, and how to fix it. They have, they have a lot of time to do that. So, in essence, like, it's fine. Take all the time that you want to really stretch the net as as thin as you want. Nick, you had something? Yeah, what, what, what uh, you, get, you, jog, you gave me a specific thought. The problem we have with this is we don't know if the Rangers had the right takeaway from their loss. That, I think, is the the caveat to that is how honest are they in their autopsy? Because if Drury really believes it's just a matter of getting the right coach and that's what's going to get this group to a Stanley Cup, I think we can agree he's being delusional. This group, the guys they currently have, they need a lot more. Uh, 100%. The the thing about... You know, again, going back to the the coaches and and all that, like it it, to me, what hundred percent what matters how you coach the amount of experience, like it to it to me, it doesn't really factor into what I look for in terms of how are you as a head coach? What is your system? How, how do you employ it? How is your off ice relationship with these guys? A lot of things, you know, because. I don't necessarily want Peter Laviolette, but like, you know, I don't, the unknown is quote unquote scary too. I don't know who Jay Leach is. I'll be honest. Like I know he's a former player. I don't know how he coaches. I don't know his system. I don't know how he talks to players. I have no idea. We, there's an established rapport with somebody like Laviolette because we know how he is. We know his system. There's, there's, there's a, a safety to the known and a fear of the unknown, which is what team, which is why teams love going back to, Coaches that have already coached before because they know the system. They know they can ask the GM. They can ask former players, oh, how is this guy in the NHL locker room? How is he? How, how does he communicate with players? It's a lot easier to get information with a retread as opposed to somebody that hasn't been in that position before. So for for the Rangers, like to me, the, the experience... I mean, I guess it matters like a little bit. Like, if John Cooper suddenly became available, I am giving a blank check. I, I am sending an airplane to his house, whatever he wants. John Cooper, red carpet, come here, please. I beg of you. But like, with somebody, with somebody such as Laviolette, I just don't care enough. That's that's the thing. Is John Cooper's system so clearly works? With on the ice and off the ice, the Lightning were exhausted in the first round, and they were just weren't as deep as they were. So they ultimately they lost in the first round after winning a bunch of cups and being so successful for so many years. These things happened after after long runs of just continuous success. Eventually, you just get tired. So uh, that that first round loss wasn't on John Cooper. If John Cooper were suddenly to resign or get fired or what have you, like. I'm I'm knocking on his door within minutes. Within minutes, I'm figuring out where he lives, and I'm knocking on his door and getting on my knees and begging, begging the Atlantic Coast Rangers. Like that's how much I value John Cooper as a head coach in the NHL. But for Peter Laviolette, like 
he doesn't move the needle for me. That's the thing that kind of that 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 is the is the difference between the two. Peter Laviola has coached for a million years. He hasn't really been successful in a million years. And while he's a a no name amongst the the hockey boy club, and Jay Leach or you know or Knobloch or one of these guys isn't per se. Like you got to open the door at some point. You, you, if you just clo- if you just lock the door, throw away the key. Eventually, you're gonna run out of members. So I'm gonna take uh, what Fitz fr- Fitz from Twitter always says is there's five good coaches in the NHL. If you don't have one of those guys, there's no point in getting that mad about it because everybody else is screwed too. So I think coach does matter to some degree. You can't have a total incompetent person running things like we've seen the Rangers do with David Quinn, who was so out of his depth at the NHL level where, but, but at the same time, I, I can't get that like hung up on this. It's the same reason why I was kind of lukewarm on firing Gallant to begin with is the issues go so much deeper than the coach that it doesn't matter who the coach is. You could bring the best coach in the league to this group. You could bring a John Cooper to this group. And I'm not convinced he could get significantly better results out of this group. I, I'm just, I'm really not. I mean, we have seen for years a fundamental approach of survive, thrive on the power play, world-class goaltending. And that's just, it's not a viable path to winning a championship in today's NHL. You see the limitations of that. The Oilers didn't have the goaltending, but the Oilers could score five goals a game and it didn't matter. It did not matter that the Oilers dropped five a game in the playoffs and the Rangers can't even do that. How are you expecting yourselves to win in the playoffs against really good teams where you're entirely relying on your power play? We saw it in the playoff series against the Devils, the games they didn't score on the power play, they didn't win, and be totally rendered ineffective at 5-on-5, five five, which is 80% of the game. That's why we harp on 5-on-5 five five plays so much. Is That's 80-85% to 85% of the game, depending on the given night. If you are expecting to win a game and that 15%, your margin for success, margin for error to win the Massive. game is so small it's the margin for error to win when you are yeah. only worried about that 15 percent right. of the game it's really hard to win that way and it's why i've bemoaned the rangers lack of um contingency options where if they can't play their very specific formula to win they have no hope and that's just not a, requ- a requisite path to success we've seen teams now for a number of years in this post 2015 where that Blackhawks and Kings window closed where teams have been able to play with a very clear cut our top six is high-end guys and then our bottom six is guys who aren't high-end but can play a particular style with a lot of energy and be effective at five on five which is the point that a lot of people missed when they traded for Barkley Goodrow was oh well he was on the best third line in hockey well yeah because he was playing with two guys who would be on the top six on other NHL teams Blake Coleman is a bona fide NHL top sixer as is Johnny Gord. Barkley right. Goodrow was there to just retrieve the puck and kill penalties. That's all he did on the third line in Tampa. He was was really good at retrieving the puck and the Rangers were shocked to find out he's not great defensively playing on a fourth line with Ryan Reeves and Dryden Hunt I I tweeted I went and looked it up because I was I, I forgot what day I tweeted it they traded for Barkley Goodrow on July 17th 2021 
I tweeted July 21st, the Rangers are going to make a Walmart version of the Gord, Coleman, and Gaudreau line and be mystified as to why it doesn't work, which is exactly what happened. They tried to do a Walmart version of what Tampa did. It didn't work, and they're looking to get rid of Gaudreau now because they gave him such a bad contract to get him here in the first place. So that's really my 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 overarching that's the that's the source of my apathy right now is I don't care who the coach is because I, I don't believe the general manager is going to be honest with his roster. And it's great. You could get you could get Scotty Bowman out of yeah. a time machine from 1974 to coach this team right now. You could get Al Arbor. It wouldn't matter. You are not going to get this group to play significantly better. And just assuming that, hey, if the coach is different, they're going to play better. is a full, it, it, It's stupid. It's short-sighted, and it's looking right. for an easy answer. I mean, the Rangers are never going to be truthful about their own roster. Why? Because they gave somebody like Jacob Truba, who makes $8 million a year and is average at at defending at best, a lifetime contract. They gave him the captaincy and that like, that's their leader. Okay. So the leadership group failed miserably in game. I mean, have you, did you watch the games? Like if, if, if the leadership group, like that's come playoff time, the leadership group is the most important people in the locker room. These are the people that, you know, are, are there to step up and say the right things to get the team going, et cetera, et cetera. Insert trope about, you know, it, any movie here. Like this is the climax of the movie where the, where the, the big guys, the most important guys, they say the right things to lead the team into battle. And then they come out victorious and the leadership group for the Rangers did I, none of that because it looked like they were out for a stroll down Rockefeller in in the in some of the games against the Devils, especially in Game Seven. Like that was so so embarrassing for this team. Like at a certain point, Drury has to look in the look look at himself truthfully and say, "Okay, what is working for real, and what is working on paper?" Because right now, these are two different things. So you, I want to make a point on that because there's a very specific idea here. I think the problem is there's a very real pushback from people who are still in hockey that hockey has to be played a certain type of way. And that's why you're never going to get an honest account. Because in Drury's mind, Jacob Trouba is like every hard-hitting defenseman he played against when he was in the league. That every successful team has one of those types of guys, and he can't possibly have a team that's successful without somebody that plays that archetype. It's not a dishonest account or like a lack of honesty. Like, in Drury's mind, Jacob Truba is a good hockey player because he fulfills a very specific role. You read it and for eight million dollars a year. Yes, correct, correct. They value that type of hockey. They think that type of player is an integral component of being a Stanley Cup winning team. And that's why you get a disconnect. I don't think it's a lack of honesty about the roster. I think it's a uh, hockey is played a certain way. We are going to get guys who play hockey that way. And if it doesn't work, it's a reflection of the coach, not uh, not the players themselves. We know we can get more out of Jacob Truba. I played with these types of guys. We know he can be successful in the NHL because when I played, we had guys like that, or I played against guys like that. And that that's, like, where, the, that's the disconnect for me. That's where I yeah. think the disconnect stems from. Not, I mean, a, yeah. not a stubbornness. I think it's genuinely... Uh, Based on my experiences, this is what works. We're doing what works. I think it's rooted in that. I don't disagree with that. The thing about being a general manager in the NHL is, are you there to win? 
because if you're there to win, they're there to win on their own terms. On their, that's right. the well, issue. Th- well, that's 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 it. Like that's the whole point. Is I'm here to win, but I want to win it, the way it, I want to win. Has to it has to stop at I want to win. Yeah. For for GMs to be successful, the the sentence has to stop with I want to win. Correct. Because if you continue on this path of but I want to do it the way I see it and the way that I think hockey should be played and the way that I think the role should be, et cetera, et cetera, you're winning nothing. You need to assemble the best possible team that you can to do the, the to score more goals than the team to win the Stanley Cup. Like that is it. Paying somebody eight million dollars a year to to hit people is because you think that's what they're supposed to do, and that's how hockey is supposed to be played. If you're listening to this, I'm doing massive air quotes with surrounding this. If you're watching on video, you see it, but on on audio, you cannot obviously. Uh, so like you know, you have to assemble. The, you have to watch and 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 tr- and be honest with yourself. If you watch Barclay Goudreau play, for example, is he worth the contract that that you that you as the general manager gave him? The answer is a big fat no. So what do you do now? You have to ship him out because he's making too much money. The Rangers need to clear that space, and all of a sudden, you know, now like now you gotta now you gotta pay extra just to get him out because his contract sucks so bad. Like the Rangers could have LTIR Lindgren for the remainder of the regular season, brought in a pure. You rental. really ain't letting that go. I'm you not letting really that go. Letting I'm really not go. because he shouldn't have played. Like that one game or those two games that he played prior to the playoffs, he shouldn't have played. All he, all they had to do was LTIR him, bring in somebody for the for, for the defense, and have a little bit more success defensively. But they didn't do that, and lo and behold, they sucked. Like they, they, the Chris Drury needs to be honest, and he needs to decide: does he want to win, or does he X, Y, and Z, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, with his own reasoning, like? There once in a while that pays off for somebody, but ninety nine percent of the time, if you continue the sentence after "I want to win," it's just not going to work for you. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you, and I think that's been an issue for the Rangers for a long time, especially during the Seether years. Less so during the Gorton years, because he wasn't really tasked with trying to win. He was kind of he was the first two years of that job, and then very quickly realized that group wasn't good enough and embarked on a multi-year period of being god awful. But in the Sather years, he wanted to win on his terms. It's why they brought in certain types of guys. It's why the first minute free agency opened, they threw a three-year contract at Tanner Glass. They thought, oh, that's the reason we didn't beat the Kings. We weren't tough enough. And of course, they brought in Tanner Glass, who was on the Rangers for three years. Sniped Carey Price that one time, though. I'll tell you that got himself a job in the front office based on how well his time as a ranger went. So that's really what I think the 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 mis- the uh the source of all of our um anguish and discomfort comes from right now is we don't even know if the front office can like accurately or honestly evaluate hockey talent, let alone picking who's going to coach the talent. It doesn't matter how good the coach is if the front office itself can't actually manage the talent. That's the that's the fundamental issue here is does the front office think this team is good enough? Based on everything we we understand, they think this team should have been one of the final four teams standing, if not winning the Stanley Cup. And that's rooted in the names, not conscious of the fit, mind you, which is something else we've talked about a lot, is they don't think about how these players fit. They just go out and get, oh, we can get Vinny Trocek. Oh, we can get Tarasenko. Oh, we can get Patrick Kane. Without a real consequence or thought of, well, this guy's talented, 
But is he going to work the way we've been playing? Is he going to gel well with our guys? It's been a very haphazard, oh, get this guy, get that guy, get this guy, get that guy, with a, no real conscientious understanding of the fit. I mean, within a, a month of Trocek being here, I could have told you he didn't play the style of hockey commiserate with what the Rangers want to do. He is a bread-and-butter, dump-and-chase, net-front, grind-it-out kind of guy, and he's the only one who plays that way in the entire lineup. He is the only one who plays that way, and it's why he doesn't fit with Panarin. Trocek has good hockey sense. He doesn't have any elite traits. He doesn't have great vision. He doesn't have a great shot. He doesn't do anything at an elite level. And playing him with Panarin, you're saddling Panarin with the task of, oh, I got to drive this line now. So that changes my responsibilities. I need to be focused on zone entries. I need to be trying to get these guys involved because I know they're not good enough to play at the full pace and style I want to. I have to babysit them to some extent. And again, we get back to, a well, that takes away from what makes Panarin so dangerous because if he's looking to facilitate and he he loses. He stopped shooting, which he really has. I mean, if you go back and look, year one as a Ranger versus the last two, it's a dramatically different player. I mean, he shot significantly more that first year. It's why he was one of the best players in the league that season. I would argue uh, he should have won the heart, in all honesty, that first year he was a Ranger because he was so important to the team. But now his game has fundamentally changed. He slowed down a little bit. He's not cutting to the middle. He's not shooting as much. And you fundamentally changed what you thought was a game-breaking player right now i don't know i mean i would argue the rangers only game-breaking player is adam fox i i really think that's it and even adam fox he doesn't do it in a way that's um explosive like adam fox is a dynamic player but he's not an explosive player he doesn't have that extra gear he can't do what makar does he can't do what a kaprizov does he can make great plays but he has to do it with his mind and that relies on having teammates able to play at that level so again we're we're, we're we've been talking in circles for almost 30 minutes well, here well, real because- quick the thing the thing about adam fox is he does a lot of very small plays that aren't noticeable that only Adam Fox can do. There's a lot of plays within the margins that he does that aren't going to make the sports that are top tens that aren't going to be in, in his highlight reel perhaps, but there's a, there's, I, I see this multiple times every single game where let's say like, you know, Adam Fox is on the blue line, the puck is about to come out, but he, he holds the zone. He, he makes, he makes like little plays Dancing around somebody. Oh no, uh, that's like, not to dis- discredit. No, no, no. no. I, I, I understand. I understand. But like in terms of you know the comparisons between him and Makar or somebody else, like uh, Makar does this as well. But I, like I have never seen somebody quite as good as Adam Fox do the like do everything the right way. No, like, I completely agree with you. It's just. Uh, the Rangers are predicating all of their success on their handful of elite players. Right. The problem is none of those elite guys other than Fox can really swing the game on their will. They cannot impact the game. And when you are a slower guy, you see what happened. The Devils really gave Fox a hard time in that series. And that's not a knock on Fox's talent, but he is not the fastest skater. And against fast teams where he doesn't have as much room or time to kind of operate and plot it out in his head, oh, I need to do this, I need to do that, he's going to have a harder time. And again... If you're going to center your team around our best guys or better than your best guys, your best guys have to have a dynamic trait. It can't just be fishing for power plays and then you win on the power play. We've seen that. That doesn't work. And as long as the Rangers keep harping on that and focusing on trying to win that way, they're never going to be able to have 
I don't want to say tangible success because they made a conference final last year, but uh, a fulfilling success. Uh, it's going to be really hard to win a championship being a negative possession team and relying on the goaltending and the power play. It's just not a viable formula to win. It'd be like trying to win a Super Bowl with defense and running the ball in today's NFL. It's possible, sure. sure. But right. it's really damn hard to win that way. Well, the, what's interesting that you like it's interesting that you say that because right now, and to to kind of wrap back around to what one of the things that we t- what I'm talking about is the Florida Panthers are essentially the Rangers in a, in, a, in a lot of the sets. Yeah, that, but Matthew Kachuk actually imposes I, his will I, on the listen, game. Listen, I I I was gonna say like Matt, Matt Kachuk is a is a powering forward that is that is really driving this team to success. Like Matt, Markov is better Matt, than Zabinijad. Sure. And- Absolutely. Absolutely. But what what I what I'm saying to you is that their defense is an absolute tire fire. Oh yeah. And they they have Bobrovsky in net who is stealing the series. Like the 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 comparisons are are there. Obviously, they're not the exact same team. There's going to be differences for sure. But in terms of the way that they are currently playing, it is a lot of survive five on five, try to get things on the power play, and have Bobrovsky save ninety shots. That like this is working for them right now, and it's it's if you're a Panthers fan, hopefully Bill Zito doesn't get the same conclusions that the Rangers got throughout their conference finals run because the Panthers blue line is a lot worse than the Rangers is. Like let's be honest, like the Rangers Rangers blue line isn't all that great, but the Panthers blue line is not great at all. But Brovsky is stopping incredible shot after incredible shot goals that should be going in 100% of the time. But Brodsky is somehow finding ways to not make that happen. He's having himself the, a playoff to remember. I mean, he's been absolutely just jaw-droppingly good throughout these playoffs. So for for the Panthers, like, yes, their offense is... Their offense is different. They have Matthew Kachuk, who's a who's a massive play driver. They have Barkov. They have Verhage. They have these guys, but... Deep down, the Panthers, could you say, are sort of, kind of, maybe, the current New York Rangers? I would say they would be the Rangers if one of the if the Rangers had high end players who were capable of imposing their will on a game. I think that's the that's the again another source of the disconnect. It's one thing to be talented and to be good, but if you want to play that certain type of style. You need to have the requisite nastiness and ability to play a four-checky cycle game when it's not there the way the Panthers do. The Panthers don't shy away from the shenanigans after the whistle. They are one of those types of teams that's very annoying to play against, and they do it in a meaningful way because the guys partaking in that shen- those shenanigans are their best players. Matthew Kachuk is one of the most annoying people in the entire league. The Rangers do not have anybody who is a high-end player that is a pain in the ass. You cannot just bolt on gritty players from other teams and expect that to permeate the entire roster. You need your best guys to be miserable to play against on top of being talented. And for as good as Zabinijad, Pinar, and Kreider are, none of those guys are annoying to play against. They don't drive their head to the net and just drag guys to the net the way Kachuk and Barkov Kreider is when he actually parks himself in front of the net. Like, he's... Because he's he's a 
big guy. Like he's one of the strongest people in the league. When he wants to be in front of the net, creating space for himself to get those deflections, I would have to imagine that he's not easy to play against. Because how do you, how are you gonna how do you move an immovable object? Like that's that's the kind of thing that like that that you ha- that you have to think about when you play somebody like Kreider. The problem is is that he doesn't do it often enough to where it becomes a massive problem the entire game. He does it occasionally. He does it mostly on the power play. But a lot of the times, Kreider has the ability to do it, kind of just doesn't, and that, so, that, and that creates the breathing room. So the counterpoint to that I would have is that Kreider, when he's shooting, is typically on the rush. He's typically in that high slot between the circles, or occasionally he'll take it to the net, but he usually doesn't drive the net on those breakaway, those rush opportunities, because he's pretty confident in his shot, even though it's, it's he's got an okay shot. And that's really the difference. Barkov goes to the net. Kachuk goes to the net. Verhage is always in the mix around the net. The Rangers guys don't do that. You think about the other teams that are this far along. You think about, you watch Vegas, who's playing a good goalie in Jake Ottinger, and all of Vegas' scoring chances when they are putting the puck in the net are coming from that area around the net mouth, putting their heads down and getting into the mix. The Rangers have tried to get by too long without that that next gear, that, okay, this isn't working. All right, well, we're going to outwork you now. We're going to take it to the net front, and we're going to outwill you at the net front. Our best players are going to go there. They don't. That's part of the issue. As great as Panarin is, as great as Zabinijad is, those guys are not physically imposing. They are not mixing it up around the net, and it's always going to be harder to score from 30 feet away as, as a than six feet away. And that's really what this play, these playoffs have kind of reinforced for me. I think about how long stretches went in the first round where the Rangers didn't even get the puck to the net, no, let alone no. scoring chances, let alone decent scoring chances. Just, I'm not even saying you got to shoot, but if you're not getting the puck to those quality, those dangerous areas, if you are, for, if you're predicating your dangerous chances on the cross seam pass, so the goalie is moving, you're not making the goalie's life, that defense's life as challenging as it can be. You're never going to get to the net mouth. You're never going to get particularly dangerous because if you're only looking for that pass, you're going to run out of room if you try and do that pass too close to the net. And because you're doing it from far away, you've got defenders in front of you who can block it. The goalie's got time to adjust. The entire point of the crossing pass is getting the goalie moving left to right. And either you beat the goalie clean or it hits something on the way in. But if you're doing that from far away, there is plenty of time for somebody to get in the way of the shot, which is exactly what happened against the Devils. I think the 41-minute uh, conclusion to to what essentially we're talking about, like what, what wrapping it all back to like coaches and systems and all these things, is like one one head coach isn't going to drastically change how individual players work. Nope. They can change a system. They can change, hey, let's dump and chase a little bit more than, than you have in the past. Hey, let's play 2-1-2 two, two, as opposed to 2-2-1. Two, two, like in the on the neutral zone, there's X's and O's things that a coach can do differently than, than coaches in the past. Gerard Gallant or Peter Laviolette or Jay Leach or whoever it is cannot fundamentally change who a player is when they are 29, 30, 32 years old. The, no. Jay Leach isn't going to make Panarin backcheck. Jay Leach isn't going to magically force Zabanajed to shoot the puck. This is an NHL 23 where you can control him and then just make him shoot whatever you want. Like these are these are you know you you can't you can't 
force players to do something other than what they have been doing for years and years now leading up to this point. So the, 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 the problem right now with the Rangers is that now, okay, so you got, you got the, you got the head coach out, you got a, you got a new one, but the problems, the underlying issues that the Rangers have already had to begin with are not just going to magically fix themselves because you get a new head honcho behind the head, behind the, behind the bench to occasionally yell at the refs like that. That's just like, it's not going to change. Like you can change the X's and O's, but the ice is still the ice. Like you can you can change you know the ads, but the advertise the advertisements in and of themselves are still there. You're not changing the actual like what is actually happening on the ice. You're 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 cha- you're you're putting a new coat of paint on it on a on a on an issue that already exists. So the last point I'll make before we get out of here. The argument for changing the coach is that you're going to be able to unlock better versions of the guys you currently have. My problem with that is I don't know if the best versions of the guys they have are significantly different from what they already are. These are high-end players who don't really drive play at five-on-five, who rely on the power play, who are very choosy, who are inclined to overpass – the best version of that is slightly more decisive shooters. Maybe you get an extra goal here and there. The margins are really, the margins aren't what's going to change the team. I think uh, unless you're able to get through to this group in a different way, that's going to get them to buy into playing a certain way. You're not going to be able to get that much more out of them because even if you you really connect with them, you really think you can unlock another level to these guys' games. How much more room is there in a Zabinijad, in a Panarin, in a Kreider than what they've already shown? These are guys who have, who are close to, if not already have peaked as NHL players. Guys don't go up, down, back up again. It's really, really rare that you see that. So that's really the the counterpoint to just changing the coach for the sake of changing the coach. How can you raise the ceiling of a building that's already been constructed? That's basically the argument, yeah. That the Rangers more or less are what they are from a roster standpoint. And just changing the coach for the sake of changing the coach misses the problem. That's, I think, a, Hi- a hiring, nice solution. Hiring a new contractor when the building has already been built, what does that do? Exactly. How 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 yeah. how is the new contractor supposed to just magically raise the ceiling of a building that's already in use and has already been completely fit, completely built? What is he supposed yes. to do? Significant remodeling. And you know what the thing about remodeling is? It takes a year or two. So right. you might want to change the coach right now. There is no guarantee that the Rangers are even going to be as good as they were last year. They were the seventh best team in the NHL this year in the regular, this past year in the regular season with no real consistency and totally phoning in the first three months of the season. It wasn't until about January that we're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. The Rangers will make the playoffs. That's really the point I want to emphasize as we wrap up here is we said last year that it would probably be more likely that the Rangers missed the playoffs than made the conference final again before at the end of last year. And that's more likely true than not. More teams miss the playoffs than teams make the conference final. That's basic math. It is really hard to make consecutive conference final appearances. Now, after going out in the first round, you've really got to sit back, hope the front office knows what it's doing, 
And you hope for the best because that's realistically all we can do. Well, you you fired your old contractor after he built the house for you, so good luck. That's basically where we're at. Uh, That'll do it for this week's episode of the Liberty Blue Pod, available everywhere you get your podcast, on YouTube as well, live, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube every Monday, 6 p.m. Make sure you guys are following along. If the Rangers eventually do decide to hire a coach, we will try and get something up as soon as possible. But the understanding we have is it will be at least another week or so because there are candidates they still haven't talked to yet. Uh, We'll see you guys either when they miraculously hire a coach or next Monday. Later.